The following episode of Fuller Brown is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, dear listeners, this is Tony with Fuller Brown coming to you with another episode because it's Thursday. So guess what? It's a tradition now, isn't it? I guess it is. And I thank you for for listening to this uh, very special uh, second part of an episode for last week. Now, if you haven't... Um, heard the previous episode um it's a confession and and it's a a, a outpour of my personal story so this is part two which is going to be um a story of a friend of mine and he's going to share his side of his story um dealing with the same issue so um his name is fernando martinez and i i have been really really close friends with him since we were kids we were neighbors for a long time and and his family has always been a, a, a good uh, friends to, to my family. So we shared a lot of things together, but I just didn't know we shared this fact together <laughs> until recently. And um, I was just really grateful. He he drove all the way from um, Houston, Texas to, to meet me here in Oklahoma City and uh, share his story. So I'm really grateful. And by the way, I'm, I'm also really grateful to all the positive, um, outpouring love that I received for my, uh, first part episode. I I just want to say thank you to everyone. Um, I'm, I'm really, really happy that despite it being a really, um, not negative topic, but maybe one that doesn't get discussed a lot. You know, I I got 99% were positive, um, uh, feedback. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for, for listening and, and thank you for supporting me and, and my story and, uh, you know, the community. So, so just thank you so much. But yeah, the second parter is not so, um, PG cause mine was a bit PG. His is not. So <laughs> it, it's actually really funny. And, and it's, I, I had a blast, uh, uh, recording this episode with him. So, Without further ado, here's my friend Fernando. Cue the music. Dear listeners, this is Tony. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. I'm here with my good friend, Fernie Fernando Martinez. Yeah, What's Gar- your second last name? Garcia. Garcia, okay. Garcia. I got the two most common last names. You do? Mm-hmm. And I I was asking if I could call you Fernie because I was like, I don't, does everybody, does everybody call you Fernie? Yeah, uh, they still call me Fernie. Okay. I thought I was just me and my sister. No, are you kidding me? Okay. Anyway, I'm here with my good friend. <laughs> Fernie Fernando uh, to y'all because I don't know him um, and we're here chatting on a brand new episode you guys and we've been talking for a good two hours before we yeah, hit record 
it's dark now. We started talking when there was daylight, but um, tell them a little bit about yourself so they know who you are. Definitely. So me and Tony go way back. Um, we've known each other from church. We were little mm-hmm. kids, grew up, neighbors. <laughs> we were neighbors, yeah. We were neighbors. Um, right now, I'm actually living in Houston. I used to live in Oklahoma City, uh, but once I graduated college, a university, uh, I kind of branched out and started living in Kansas and kind of traveled around the country for a little bit. Uh, just now moved to Houston this last year, actually. Um, stupid Rona kind of messed that up, but yeah, still down there. Um, love it. Uh, just came up here for to visit family and do some business. Uh, and here I am. No, thank you for reaching out. Definitely. People, well, people obviously don't know the relationship we have, but I'm glad you reached out and were able to be comfortable with me. And, and thank you for being a listener of the show. I enjoy more it. Than anything. Yeah. Just like I said earlier, you know, yeah. living in, in Houston, it makes me feel like I'm at home. Just That's listen, really good to hear. Thank you for that voice, comment. Yeah. yeah. Listen to my voice. <laughs> 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 okay. Now I made it weird. But anyway, so we're here sitting, and what are we going to talk about today? There are a couple things we're going to talk about. So probably more than a couple. But probably more. What than are a the couple. two major but things? Our two main topics today: um, definitely DACA and how DACA has actually impacted me as mm-hmm. an undocumented um, uh, person here in the United States. Uh, was brought over here when I was two years old. Um, uh, then just kind of been working and doing through that and then obviously um what i guess one of the main topics or the other second topic we're going to talk about is the lgbtq community Mm -hmm. um and really more about myself and and my sort of story with my parents and my family and how that's impacted my life not just uh um as a person but also documented because i have a story that i forgot to tell you about oh better for the air than to I completely yeah. forgot about that story. So. Well, if people don't know, uh, well, the people that do know, it's great. If you don't, uh, we were both raised in church. So that's how we knew each other. Yes. And our parents, well, like we said, we were neighbors and they were brought up to be pastors together. Yes. So we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. And we, we went to conventions every year. Oh, my youth God. Youth camps. Which, <laughs> besides that, I think we got crazier stories now that we got older. Oh, yeah, agree? of course. Yes, definitely. So speaking of our crazy stories, tell them about your story. Uh, which well, one? The DACA or the other one? No, the other one. Let's start with so, the other one. So let's start with, yeah, the second one. So so definitely one of the stories we want to tell tonight is... Um, uh, who you define yourself as uh, when it comes to uh, your own person. Mm-hmm. Um, so me personally, publicly, I guess, I've never actually come out or said anything, but I consider myself to be part of the LGBT community as a bisexual person. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, you know, I knew who I was and I knew what I wanted, um, but I always struggled with the decision of well do i want to be with a guy do i want to be with a girl um so i always you know growing up and and to this day still just consider myself to be a bisexual person now i will say this in the lgbt community there are people who are on the gay side and who are on the lesbian side who will Mm -hmm. say oh no there is no such thing as bisexuality yeah because i've heard that but honestly the way i see it it is and i think and i told you this earlier you know um 
I've messed around with both guys, girls. Um, they can be fun. They cannot be fun. I had yeah. a threesome. That was a fun time. Was it? <laughs> it was. A, I'm not going to lie. If you ever want to have a threesome, you should do it. It was an experience. Oh, by the way, this is definitely not for children. Oh, yeah. Um, so we'll put this in the beginning. Now, like, now that I said that, keep going. Sorry. So sorry. It was it was definitely experimental, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wanted to do it. I wanted to try it. And so it was it was a fun time. Good. Good um, for you. But I think in the end, you know, growing up, uh, it definitely affected me. I knew really at the age of 11, 10, um, who I wanted to be. And did you accept it at that time? I definitely did. Okay. Um, I think there were times I struggled um, with it growing up, definitely during like middle school, high school. Um, but eventually uh, growing up, I think I did maybe when I was, excuse me, 14, 15, I definitely came to the terms mm-hmm. that this is who I am and this yeah. is what I want to do. And, okay. and sexually, this is what I want to share with with myself to my partners, whoever I'm with. Yeah. Uh, but it's been fun, you know. Um, at the moment, I'm not seeing anybody or not with anybody. Uh, but I have had both sexual partners throughout my life. I think it's funny because a lot of times my family, they've always mentioned, oh, you don't bring anybody over or, or I do and they don't even realize that i am bringing somebody over yeah um but yeah definitely growing up like you said um not only did did i grow up um with that in my mind but being the fact that i grew up in church mm-hmm. uh, it definitely had a huge impact a lot of it really had to do with my parents my parents were uh, just like tony said pastors of the church and so that had a bit of big big effect um growing up i think uh at times my parents definitely they 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 knew did they ever ask you they they did okay. uh, i think the person who asked me most often was definitely my dad um you know he would always say it's okay if you do blah 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 we definitely had conversations about it but i never went into details with them cuz at the same time you know being a bisexual you never you never really know at that time i think whenever they're asking what what you're preference preferences yeah and and, I, and usually most of the conversations we had uh were when i was younger um so i was still learning and thinking sexually about what what is sexual health you know what is being bisexual what is being mm-hmm. gay what is being lesbian what is being queer mm-hmm. um anything like that what you consider now i don't know asexual yeah, yeah. if you could say that so um yeah, I know as a kid growing up, it, it, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly what you think, um, who you are. Uh, but they they definitely had questions about it. They definitely questioned it. Um, but definitely at church, you know, they would always portray and say, you can't act this way. You can't be this way. I heard it a lot. Did you hear so it a lot? I heard it a lot. Okay. Because we're um, a little different in age. Yes. So I don't know if you heard it a lot in class, like Sunday school, or did you hear it like throughout the preaching? Mm, definitely preaching. There was one preacher in particular, I'm not going to name him, but he would always talk about it and he would always say that it was wrong. And um, I think because they were like, there's too, too many. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. Uh, but, um, no, he definitely would would always talk about it, but I never let that affect me. I think, Good. Or me personally, I never let it affect me. Um, to a point, you do have to, like you, like I said, being growing up in the church and having parents as pastors, you have to portray yourself in a certain, or you have to sh- 
put a face out there yeah. for the rest of the public to see. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of it stems from just being respectful to the family, being respectful to um, the church. Uh, again, goes to the cultural. I think we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. Um, being that we are full of brown, um, I, I mean, me being Mexican, coming from that culture, you it's something you don't see in that culture it's something and if you that, do you don't talk about it exactly yeah, yeah you don't share with, with with other people or they uh like we said earlier it, it's a fine straight line that you have to ride otherwise if you're veering from that from the straight line that you consider to be something different or mm-hmm. unwanted yeah um so sure. then you get secluded from your family or or you get looked down on because of who you are or what you believe in sexually just because yeah. of who you're dating or or who you're sleeping with so it definitely has a big effect uh, both culturally christianity wise and i think definitely uh, at the end of the day you definitely get riled up in your mind and it goes through there like oh my god what do i want to be who do i want to be mm-hmm. do i want to be with this person do i not want to be with that person uh but i've been very accepted acceptive of it um, family wise, uh, I think they've come, well, definitely my parents, um, they've known, um, I will say this, uh, when I was, I, I can't remember exactly the, the age, but I was pretty young when they first kind of found out, uh, when, when they knew, and I told, talked to you about it, mm-hmm. um, they did try to do an exorcism on me. So, um, again, being from the church culture, uh, that's the first thing that comes to their mind. Um, you you got to get cured. You got to get cured because mm-hmm. it's a demon inside of you who somehow came inside of your body and it's taken over your body. And because of that demon, you're now thinking about sleeping with the opposite sex. Um, but I will say this. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true. I do believe it's definitely a choice mm-hmm. uh, in, in matter. Um, but mm, I don't know. They they believe that my parents try to do an exorcism on. Did me. they only do it once? Or they, they only did it. Yeah, they only tried to do it once. Um, I think because they <clears throat> they knew and they accepted the fact that okay, it's not going to change. Okay, um, so they tried it. Yeah, they tried they like, it. Okay, now we know. Yeah, they they tried it, and then I think they finally came to the conclusion that okay, this is who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, growing up up until today, you know, there are times when there still is that denial from the family um, that no, that's he's not that way, or he is yeah. this way. Um, I think many people in the Hispanic community go through that uh, because they they're either afraid of what their family is going to say or just afraid because of the public um what they're going yeah, to say yeah i mean in anything hispanic or latino families we're really family oriented yeah so that's the name, number one fear i think it's uh if i lose my family i'll be by myself exactly you know so yeah. that's that's scary yeah but i think one of the things that um uh, it was very surprising to see my dad come to terms with it or be more accepted to to that. Uh, my mom kind of took it a little bit more harder, uh, but definitely my dad. He he 
I mean, he comes from that background where, you know, mm -hmm. he says homophobic slurs, stuff like that. Um, so you, you definitely, I had to be careful sometimes as to the way I acted in front of them and the way that I reacted to things that they would say or still say. Um, but uh, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes in the end, I think it's how parents are and, and they just do it to play around or to mess around or like yeah. we said earlier it's in their nature that locker room talk that mr oh, right yeah yeah mr trumpus talks about <laughs> <laughs> right um but um no i i mean i've enjoyed growing up and we've had a very good relationship uh there was a time um that definitely me and my dad didn't have a very well established relationship and uh i think one of the reasons was definitely that Uh, aspect of it the sexuality portion um i'm sure there was probably some other things that stemmed from it as well but mm -hmm. uh, i'm sure that that had something to do with it any dad um especially in the hispanic culture who knows or sees uh their their kid who's probably messing around with the opposite sex usually you know to them it's offensive um to the family it can be offensive Uh, because that's not who they raised you to be. You know, they say you're a guy, you're a guy. Yeah. yeah. Act like a man, you yeah. know, they want you to be. And, and honestly, I am, I'm, I'm a sports driven person. I love playing sports. I love playing soccer. I love watching basketball. Football. It's those stereotypes yeah. that get attached to this. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. So, so they, they automatically, just because you, they see you with an opposite sex person, they automatically, people automatically assume, especially in the Hispanic community, they automatically assume, Oh, a guy who's gay. Uh, oh, he's a hissy person. Mm -hmm. He's a pussy, blah, blah, blah. A, a, a lesbian girl, you know, they'll say, Oh, she's butch. She's, She's a man, you know, yeah. like automatically you're, you're assumed to be put into this box when in reality, you're probably not, you know, you're probably more masculine than some of these straight yeah. guys that are out right, there. Yeah. So, um, same thing with women. Some of them are more girly than some of the girls that are out there who consider themselves to be straight. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I think in the end, labeling yourself it shouldn't be done uh, in my opinion i think society should just accept anybody the way they are they they are but i mean we see it now even in this political world mm -hmm. uh it, it's got a lot of effects to it i think also i was going to say earlier uh i think the reason why it's harder on our families in my opinion is because they already have a mindset of what your life is supposed to be right so then they think oh i'm gonna have grandchildren mm -hmm. this is gonna be, this is gonna be it and, da, 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 da. <laughs> and then you took them for a turn and they're like what the hell that's not what i thought your life right. was gonna be and yeah. that ruins a dream of theirs so at the same time i think that's what it is more like heart crushing for them i don't think it's a lot mainly of who we are i think it's more of that we killed their dreams that they had for exactly. us exactly yeah. um i think definitely a lot of it is that children portion of it um you know going to uh going to the family functions is another portion where you kind of feel you don't feel entitled to say anything and you don't have to say anything to anybody but mm -hmm. cuando tiene la tía que viene cuando vas a traer la novia yeah and it's like fuck man like right. can you like i don't know i'll probably bury a guy next time yeah. Yeah. you're already questioning right. me yeah 
O, o, o empiezan a hablar de, oh, pues, ¿cuándo nos vas a dar niños? ¿O cuándo le vas a dar nietos a tu, nietos, tu mamá, yeah. a, tu, a, tu, a tu papá? Stuff like that, you know, it's stuff that, that you definitely have to question yourself. Well, should I say something? Should I not say something? But in the end, it's like, okay, tia, your daughter has like <laughs> six children with like three different Seven men. Different guys. <laughs> so it's like, um, who's the bad one here? Right, right. Uh, but that's another thing. Like, for instance, my entire family um, on my dad's side, you know, they're very religious. Uh, so you, again, it, a lot of it really is about respecting yourself. And I think definitely respecting the family. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to be happy. Yeah. And your happiness is ultimately what, what counts. Right. And I'm glad you see it that way because yeah. I beat myself about it for the long, I think even to this day, I still do. It's like, uh, we, because like we, you said earlier, sometimes us as being pastors kids, we have a face to maintain. Mm -hmm. So when you shame them, you also shame in a way the church because they have a specific way they view you so when you become who you are they're like oh no we're not going to accept that so then they are put in an uncomfortable position right. and then that just sucks that's and 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 i will say that that's one of the reasons i kind of um walked away from the church a little bit just mm -hmm. because they have that shamefulness against somebody who acts that way who automatically because you've seen or you come out as uh, having a relationship with the same sex partner, they autom automatically assume that, oh my God, well, this is the devil's hand. And, and so they either cast you out or they see you in a shameful way and they want to change you. I think, I think I was very reserved myself, me personally, because of, again, culture, church, mm -hmm. parents, um, a face that you had to put in. You know, uh, me personally, I, I will not lie about this. I was definitely a virgin up until the age of 21 mm -hmm. uh, because I struggled with what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be with and my my own sexuality uh, with partner wise. So when I turned 21 and I said this early, I become a hoe. I mean, I was <laughs> ho Fernie was out there shaking oh. and doing whatever he wanted to do. <laughs> ho Fernie but, came out. Ho Fernie came out. So, <laughs> but then I actually ended up getting a job with the Oklahoma County uh, health department. Oh, um, I just briefly, and that's another story. Oh, pisses we me got off. So many stories. Um, that, that, that's another story. I actually got asked to, um, leave the company because because this guy and this is the thing with culture like even within our own culture people have issues mm -hmm. um this guy i guess i'll say the name <laughs> because i don't even know where he's at right he may or may not be listening if you're listening okay if you are thank you yeah <laughs> for listening <laughs> <laughs> don't stop listening but yeah. his name was jesus okay and so um i've always called Jesus is Jesus. Like the <laughs> and Lord. Like Jesus, yeah. I've always said Jesus. Okay. And so if they don't correct me, I'm not going to say otherwise. Um, well, one time they somebody came in asking for him, and I was like, Jesus, somebody's looking for you. So-and-so is looking <laughs> for you. And he was so pissed off about it, but he didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but so-and-so is looking for you. And so what, he got mad because you called him he Jesus? He got mad because I called him Jesus. Oh, okay. So then I actually got sent to the office, to HR department. And HR, de I, he, 
had a harassment complaint against me because I called them Jesus. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? You it's should your be name. grateful. I told that them I, compared I said you to the Lord. I told them I said, how do you spell your name? J E S U S. How do you pronounce it? Jesus. And he, they were like, oh, no, his name is pronounced Jesus, and you need to pronounce it Jesus. Oh. Um, but eventually it came out to something, I don't know, they really, uh, it was a really terrible time that I spent there. But going back to, mm-hmm. um, uh, that, I guess that was a... Pre-Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for <laughs> saving me from that job. <laughs> if you want to say it that way, yeah, exactly. he saved you. But, um, uh, so I started working there. Oh, my God, I swear, I... Saw so many people come in that, I mean, on a daily basis, they have so many people that they see uh, for STD testing or mm-hmm. any kind of um, uh, any kind of testing in regards to sexually transmitted diseases. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, they get booked. Every single facility that they have gets completely booked. And at the end of the day, they see lots of people. Um, and that's when I finally... Th- told myself oh god you need to be careful with how many how many sexual partners you have and who you have yeah sex with because i mean i can fuck around i'm not gonna lie i'll fuck around with a girl and a guy um but at the same time it's like you got to use that protection otherwise you're gonna come out having these i don't know right. harpies chlamydia. yeah all this other what stuff. What else is there? Syphilis. Syphilis. <laughs> By the way, there's always a syphilis outbreak in this in this in the county of Oklahoma. I will say that. Yeah. So warning to y'all. Exactly. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. This yeah. is, I guess, a, a public service. <laughs> Fernie approves this message. <laughs> uh, you definitely have to be careful. I think in the end, but hope Fernie eventually kind of died out. Okay. Uh, and kind of settled down, and every once in a while, you know, I have a sexual partner here and there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's always safe. You got to be safe, especially when when you are messing around um, with the same sex partner. You know, mm-hmm. there's that stereotype, um, and you do have uh, the you are in a more vulnerable position when it comes to sexually transmitted diseases if you don't yeah. protect yourself, uh, depending on the type of sexual contact you have with your partner, but you do got to be careful. You got to be careful on how you do it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so going back to the story. So you told the other Jesus, okay, this is who <laughs> I am. You were you said you were 11 when you came to terms with it? Um, yes. Yeah, so so basically when I was like 10, 11, I knew. Okay. Uh, and my parents found out because they caught me watching some porn. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh-huh, Go back up. yes. They At your me. house? At your mom's uh-huh, house? Yeah. Yeah, my parents' house. I mean, I was 10, 11. I was obviously living at their house. But oh, yes. wait. They caught you at 10? Yeah, I was watching porn. I was... <laughs> hey, I'm I was... sorry. A, I, I just could not imagine you. I was a horny little kid, but... I mean, we all are. But at the but... same time, well, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 21. But at the same time, I think I kind of reserved myself maybe because of that. Mm-hmm. Because of what my parents kind of instilled in me. And, and So they saw and you they watching yeah. and what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, they basically um, started going through. Well, they kind of caught. They really caught me because I got a virus on the computer. Oh, and so they were trying. So to was that a desktop? It was on a desktop. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I imagine the phone, but yeah. okay. no, no desktop. And they, um, no, I, I don't think phones were existed at that time. Oh yeah. my God, were that old? <laughs> I had a beeper. There once. was no. I. I. 
beepers were around. Yeah. Beepers were around. But you can't watch porn on a beeper. No, you beep, can't. Beep, beep, and then... But there definitely wasn't no smartphones at that time. Oh, yeah. For no, those for younger sure. listeners. Right, right, right. Yeah. There was a time, people, when we didn't have iPhones. <laughs> um, but no, it was on a desktop, and they found out... Um, but, okay, if I remember correctly, your desktop was in your living room, wasn't it? was it? in the living room, Tony. Okay. You, you have a big family. How did you I not do. ever get caught? Well, that's why I got caught. <laughs> no, most of it, most of it happened. Um, I think that time when I got the virus, it was like midnight or like one or two o'clock in the morning. And I was okay. watching nasty ass porn on the desktop and my dad comes out and the next day, um, well, I think I heard somebody wake up, probably my dad. I'm pretty sure it was my dad because he yeah. came out, told me to go to sleep. So I closed the, the desktop. Went to sleep, next thing you know, to the next morning, they're like, oh, there's a virus on the computer. Well, who's the last one on the computer? Party. <laughs> so here they go, looking through the history. <laughs> and what do they find? You didn't Porn. delete the history. I didn't. I didn't know at that time how to oh, do yeah, it. Oh, yeah, you were 10. So, um, so they ended up finding out. And <clears> so <throat> it was mixed porn, you know, gay porn, straight porn, mm-hmm. lesbian porn. Shoot. I, I was just watching porn. You were hitting the jackpot. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. exactly. So... That's kind of when they found out. And, and so they talked to you right the next day? They did. They, they okay. sat me down. Um, they basically sent my my brothers and sisters out to play. This was the time when people went outside to play. Y'all played a lot. <laughs> Y'all played a we lot. We did play a Soccer. lot outside. Yeah. Um, so they sent my, my siblings outside. And so me sentaron a me. Did you knew what room. was coming? I did. I figured. Okay. Um, obviously you're young so you don't really know exactly what's going on but i kind of had in my mindset what what was happening so then they finally sat me down kind of had a conversation about it you know hey if you're gay it's okay we understand blah 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 so i always told them no no i don't think i am but at the same time you know i still had those questions in me well what am i who am i yeah what do i want uh who do i want to live with when i'm older um, so eventually, you know, 14, 15 came around and, and, and I think at that point was definitely when I kind of settled into that position where, you know what, I think I'm, 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 I'm going to, I'll label myself and I'll label myself as a bisexual person because, okay. you know, I, I see a girl and God, you know, I'm a, I'm a stickler when it comes for titties, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a big titties person. Um, but then but then you know you also see a guy and sometimes these guys they can be hot yeah so so i never hold back when it comes to somebody who has a nice body Mm -hmm. uh but i think now uh, but that was when i was younger um i think now once when i turned like 23 24 uh it definitely kind of i had this bulb in my mind that kind of went off when when it comes to a romantic relationship to who do i want to be with who do i want to have a relationship with um and so I, I i've had relationships with both guys girls um and honestly i don't know which one's the best which one could be good which one could yeah. be bad I'm, I'm still in that point where i don't know i i still don't know um where i want to be or who i want to be with uh i definitely see myself you know with with a woman if i were to want to have kids but at the same time you can see yourself with the man and and have kids with the man obviously it's a little more difficult mm-hmm. uh, but there is the but opportunity it is possible. Yeah. yeah so you i think uh overall at the end 
of the day, my mindset definitely is is in that position where where you find someone who really cares for you, who really shows you the compassion and who really wants to be with you, who wants to love you. Yeah. And that's who you, you, you should be with at the end of the day. Cause I mean, I've been in a, uh, I've been in a, in a same sex relationship where, uh, I mean, the guy treated me like, like shit, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I sometimes I look back at it and I'm like, God damn it. Like, I really took. What was I going through to yeah, be with you? Yeah, exactly. Like I went through shit like that. Like, uh, I mean, it was abusive in the fact, in the in the sense of uh, verbal abusing. Mm-hmm. There was some physical abusing, but most often, honestly, I just took it as a, oh, it's just a game, you know. But looking back at it, it wasn't. I I, I definitely now see that it was an abusive relationship that I should have never been in in the first place, but. Then I've also been in these um, opposite sex relationships where uh, you you look at the girl and you're like, God, I really like this person. But then at the end, of, at sometimes you're like, maybe I like her more as a friend than I do as a as a as a partner. Yeah. Um, and one thing that will always stick to to me is my brother in law. He's he's always said this, or I've heard I, I've heard him say this, where he says, if you don't see yourself with that person um forever well then why are you with that person so okay but at the same time and he says this too you have to be able to give them a chance because you never know maybe that person isn't for you but at the in a few years maybe that person you do end up falling in love yeah with i mean and, and people change yes, so they, well, you're they not going to be the same person you are in five years exactly so you're allowed to reshape your yeah. your your love life your love interest you know you're allowed to uh maybe not as much as i thought you know and move right. on and that's not a bad thing uh but parents my parents though um yeah, they they've been acceptive, but however, when it came to the church, they always said there's a face you have to put on. You can't act this way. You can't be that way. You can't talk about this. Um, this is who you are. And when you're at church, mm-hmm. you're straight. You're uh, you don't have any uh, thinkings or thoughts of somebody else or having thoughts of the same of the opposite sex or the same sex. How did you take that when they gave you those instructions? Um, honestly, did they I, help or did they? not help they they helped i they did obviously they did because uh, but it, it was more of a being afraid it was uh afraid of well what are they gonna do mm-hmm. am i gonna get spanked this is when spanking was around <laughs> yeah if y'all look at me in person i have no ass <laughs> am i gonna for that yeah. reason yeah <laughs> am i gonna get spanked am i yeah. gonna get hurt you know are they gonna you know throw me out what are what what are the consequences at the end of the day mm-hmm. so that always went through my mind um but i feel that growing up it was definitely something that uh, I take to heart because uh, it's it's helped me uh, to be who I am today mm-hmm. and and to have the relationship I do have with my parents today. Uh, but no, you know, it, it hurts. It does hurt when they say something like that because they basically are telling you, you can't be who you are truly. Mm-hmm. You have to be somebody else. And I think we said this earlier, it's a full-time job to just create it a, is a full-time job, yeah. A persona of somebody who you are not. You're I think you said this before in the podcast. Um because I'm a listener. <laughs> and I thank you. Um but uh I think you've said this before <clears throat> where uh you you become an actor uh without mm-hmm. actually 
knowing or being an actor, you become an actor. And that's exactly what I had to be. Yeah. I had to create this uh, persona of myself of uh, this is who you are and this is who you are required to be uh, as growing up as a kid. And I think yeah. that's probably why I kind of held off um, sex wise when I was a kid. And, and that's because a lot of people when they're younger, they tend to have sex at the age of 16, 15. I, I lost you know? my virginity really young. So, yeah. so it happens. Um, shoot shit. People have lost their virginities at 14, 13. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh definitely it was uh it was it was it was something that i kind of probably took to heart and and told myself okay well maybe i should keep this persona and i did throughout middle school throughout high high school uh up until i finally turned 21 i was like you know what fuck this shit i'm gonna experiment i was about to ask you that so it wasn't hard for you to keep it around it wasn't no 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 when i was younger uh it was easy for me to just be who they wanted to me lift up your hands and pray right yeah um but but once you get older i think when i turned 18 i kind of you know i told my parents again hey by the way i'm so and so or this mm-hmm. is how i am uh but still you know they were in that stage of denial or yeah nah you're gonna have a girlfriend blah, blah, blah. yeah okay well maybe you know maybe i will yeah you know they they always kept saying nah uh it's just a phase it's just a phase but um Eventually, you know, after 18, 21 came around and whoo, college. Yeah. <laughs> I started experimenting some more and it was fun. Um, I actually lost my virginity to a guy. I, I, and then after that, then I went off and I was like, well, let me fuck around with the girl. You know, I want to know what that feels like, you know? So then I started messing around with girls and I swear between 21 and 23, 24, I was, was, you lost a lot of electrolytes there we go i i was i was skinny (laughs) (laughs) i was i was actually really thin at that time uh but i think still people um close family members as well as friends you know you 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 sort of tell them a little bit but then they still also it it all comes down to the way you act um because in a sense you know i grew up with that persona so i always kept that and and to this day i still keep that persona i was going to tell you because with me i know when to put it on and when to Mm -hmm. take it off yeah and i almost feel like if i'm a hypocrite at times because i'm like but I'm not. I, I just know when to be myself with certain people and when I'm not. Exactly. And yes. that's a frustrating thing to do because I still do it to this day because my dad is a pastor and, and, and I hate disappointing people in general. So having people tell me, oh, you're like that. Like, yeah. you disappoint me. Yeah. I'm like, it's not like I had a choice. And it's not like I wanted to disappoint you and the Lord. It's just something... That I'm still looking answers to, honestly. But um, I was going to ask you, did you get angry at God? You know, I... Because a lot of people don't believe that you can be LGBT and believe in God. Yeah. I don't think... I wouldn't say I got mad, uh, but I definitely questioned, you know. Because one of the things that goes through my mind is, why would you make somebody... if, If... if the Christian culture creates this belief that if you have sex or you have 
relationships with the same sex partner, you're automatically going to go to hell, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've always questioned this, and it's always been through my mind. Well, God, why would you create somebody to believe this way or be this way if your expectation is for them to, you know, go to hell? Die at the end. Yeah. 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 Right? So it's like... I don't think I ever got mad, but I did question. Mm-hmm. I did. I did always. Uh, to this day, I still, you know, when when and if I am in a same sex relationship, I I have questioned it. Like, hmm, why? But mm-hmm. but but when it comes to a girl, the same thing comes to your mind. It's like, well, do I really want to be with this girl? Okay. Well, as long as you don't feel broken. No. No. Okay. Um, good. I think uh, there are. A lot of people who, because I have, you know, friends who are gay, lesbian, um, or who are in the LGBT community, and, and you know, they've come out to their parents, and a lot of them have a successful story where they, or at least my generation and younger have had successful stories where, you know, their parents are very supportive of them. Yeah. Uh, but definitely people sometimes my age and even older they still struggle around my generation yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they still struggle with um with it because it's not something that is part of your life i mean yeah. i will use for example in my family on my dad's side there is not a single fucking lgbt gay lesbian person there is not a fucking single one of them if at all i am probably the most open person who believes that it's okay for you to actually have a same-sex relationship whereas everybody else in my family on my dad's side you know they have this belief of you know i'm sure they're acceptive of it but they still have this mindset of hmm that's wrong yeah well i'm glad you didn't look for answers in the wrong places because i think that's what i did i looked at answers in the totally wrong place like i remember somebody gave me the advice i was like oh i think i might be gay and then they're like no just have sex with as many women as you can (laughs) right (laughs) and you'll figure out that you're not and then i was like that's horrible advice because at that time i was 15 Mm. you're telling a 15 year old a minor by the way to go lose your virginity and i lost it a year later but that's not the point (laughs) my point is like that's horrible advice and and they were like, oh, just just go watch straight porn and you'll be fine. And it's that's a the phase. thing. Yeah. The, yeah. In the end, it's a phase. And it's like, no, no, it is not a phase. It is who you are. And if people are not acceptive of it, then, oh, well, fuck yeah. them. Right. I'm going to take my chancla and, <laughs> and step on you like a cucaracha. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm glad you had that outcome. But uh, now being a DACA recipient. That's another struggle. That is another struggle. I don't think I've, uh, being bisexual, um, I don't think I've ever actually let that undocumented portion of it hold me back. Mm-hmm. However, um, there was a relationship that I was with, same-sex relationship, um, that this guy actually was so pissed off when he found out that I was a DACA recipient. He was mad at you? He was mad at me. He okay. was so angry um, when he found out. So when we first started the relationship, 
I didn't. This was actually the abusive relationship. Okay. Um, I didn't really tell him that I was undocumented or anything like that, or that I was a DACA recipient. I just simply, because I, honestly, I didn't think I needed right. to. Right, and again, so I, I think it brings a wrong message. I think if you bring that up too early in the relationship, it's like, wait, what do you want from me? You right, know? because then they start assuming, oh, you just want me right, for the papers. Right, right, right. And no, nobody wants, yeah, to do that, or at least I sure don't um but he he definitely had this mindset of oh you know um it felt like a true relationship but i think thinking back it was definitely not a true relationship it was just i think probably a pass by time okay how long Um, did it last uh it was uh probably i want to say maybe a year and a half oh okay yeah um but when he first found out um and he actually found out early on in the relationship when i was a DACA recipient and um the way he found out is i think we were at my place and i was we were going to go out and i was going to change and i said okay uh, let me go change so i went to go my to my closet he grabbed my wallet for some odd reason i don't even know why pulled out my license my driver license oh it has that label on it well no um the well the driver license says temporary right if you're a docker recipient or um because it's through the they the only term. give it to you through how mm-hmm. long you have the DACA for. Well, then he pulls out my worker's permit. Oh, and okay. uh, at that time, it doesn't say it now, but at the when they first came out with DACA, they did have it on there where it said DACA, and um, and so he saw that it was DACA, and he was like, "Fer, qué es esto?" And I was like, mm, "Well, that's my worker's permit." And he was like what do you mean this is your worker's permit? And then I said, well, I'm, I was undocumented and still considered documented, obviously through DACA, technically, you know, you're just. Yeah. On a limbo. Really. On a limbo. Yeah. yeah. But uh, basically, so I told him, I said, well, um, yeah, I have DACA, blah, blah, blah. I went through DACA. I applied. My parents, you know, brought me here. I basically gave him the whole spiel about coming to America and how I was brought to to the u.s and uh he comes back and he's like oh well you can't be with me if 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 you're a DACA recipient i was like the fuck <laughs> what was his reason right well his reason why at that time he was actually he uh, he just recently became a naturalized citizen but oh, okay. at that time he was a permanent resident okay. and so his argument because he didn't really have anything to say at that time he was just pissed off that i never told him oh okay. i was a DACA recipient but then we had a further conversation or actually that night we were getting ready because we were going to go to a party and actually that night he got drunk and he came over to my place um he was drunk he drove over to my place and he actually went off on me with like oh i can't believe you know you're fucking a DACA re- recipient, you're a fucking illegal in this country, blah, blah, blah. In my mind, Coming I'm like, from him, that's- exactly. In my mind, I'm like, bitch. You're a fucking uh, Mexican coming to the U.S. too with a fucking permanent residency. Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But, but at the same time, I was like, I was just taking his hits. You know, I was just 
I knew he was drunk, but at the same time, you know, people say the truth when they're drunk. Mm, so, I, so I was like, okay, he's telling the truth. He's 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 giving me his feelings. That's fine, you know, because at that time he was like, it's over, you know. It's like okay, you know, I understand. Uh, but yeah, he was just coming at me saying all this bullshit about um, to saying how I was illegal, how I I didn't deserve it, how uh, people like me should should be sent back to Mexico and this and that. And I was like, okay. So finally, after that, you know, he leaves. That's so odd to me. I know. I, I, honestly, to me, right now, people can't see, but my face is like, wait, what? Right, <laughs> the facial expressions. But uh, his, I don't know if it was just a reaction because he was mad that he never told him. I don't know if his reaction was his thinking that oh, maybe he's just trying to get with me because he wants the papers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But. You know, in the end, I told him, I said, I, I, I'm not looking for anything from you. You know, if this does, you know, continue to be a good relationship, then we can grow it. And if it comes to that, then it comes to that. But you don't have to provide me with anything. Uh, but then I look back to other people in our culture who do become, who do come over either undocumented or they come with a visa and then they start the, the, empiezan los trámites de inmigración and they go through immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually they start there. You do f- sometimes get this uh, change in them where they no longer sees, see themselves as part of that culture. I don't see how I, it's a staple. It's, it, it's, it is. It's, I agree with you. But but some of these people, sometimes they create this thinking in their mind. Oh, I was illegal, but you know what? Now I'm a U.S. citizen. So because I'm a U.S. citizen, you're not good to me. You're yeah. we're not at the same level. I, I could also see it. And maybe they're trying to erase trauma, or they're trying to erase bad memories. And like you know what? From right. now on, yeah. I'm going to change my name. Uh, I don't know to Charles instead of right. Carlos. Exactly. And, you know, and I can. I guess I can see it, but uh, that's still that was still because because when he became a naturalized citizen, I mean his demeanor changed completely from oh not only are you a freaking illegal person, but mm-hmm. all illegal persons in this country shouldn't be here. And here's the fucked up part about it is that he has friends who are fucking illegal who he literally he works with illegal immigrants and it's like how can you have this fucking mindset that you are better than them just because you were just because you went through the proper steps yeah yes of course you should go through the law you should go through the proper steps however someone like us it's not as easy for everyone daca Mm -hmm. you you can't go through those steps you have to go through an extra step to get to where you need to be. And it's mm-hmm. like, you can't blame me for something I'm not necessarily responsible for. Right. Because, you know, one of the things I told them was exactly that. You know, my parents brought me here when I was two years old. I didn't put myself, I didn't drive through the border or smuggle myself through the border. I was brought through the border because my parents paid someone to bring me through the border. So, Obviously, at two years old, can I make that decision? No. no. Yeah. So I told him that, and and he basically came back and said, "Well, you've you've always had grown. Well, as a grown up, now you have the option to go back to Mexico." And I'm like, "Dude, you didn't go back. How exactly? Right? So so I I I put myself uh, when I answered the question, I was like, "How can you say that when I 
have never been back what is there for me to be there yeah you know and at that time i had already graduated from college from the university um thank you daca <laughs> yes because uh, that's kind of where we're headed uh where 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 um you know i had graduated from the university and 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 you know i said maybe my studies would be actually a great fit down there and mm-hmm. he always had this negative answer because then he came back and said oh well your degree is not as well received over there as as he sounded like a really negative and and i was like i was like general really i know and i was like i told him i said honestly an american college degree looks way better in mexico than it does from a mexican college so yeah yeah um but but i think in the end um it was definitely a relationship that it shouldn't have gone as long as it should have and but I think, you learned yeah i learned yeah um to not ever be in a relationship <laughs> <laughs> no that's not true no that's not true find the person you want to be with right um but you know daca was definitely a big help uh, obviously being uh having that same sex partner was a bit of a uh, an issue just because of daca mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there is that um issue when it comes to being undocumented uh or even just having something to help you uh but still uh people sometimes in a relationship cannot kind of see that as a negative uh yeah. connotation to the yeah. relationship and because we were talking earlier uh like i said earlier we didn't hit record from the beginning oh, so no. <laughs> um you didn't know you were undocumented until hold right so i did not find out i was necessarily undocumented till or at least i didn't capped it in my mind till i was probably like 15 16 years old this was no before that probably 14 years old because this was middle school Mm -hmm. for those of you that don't know i went to jackson middle school (laughs) it's caught something else now it's an elementary it's a completely different place now so before that though um Tony knows uh, yeah. uh, my parents were pastors in Enid, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Enid, Oklahoma at that time, it m- was sort of diverse, but it was mainly white people. Um, it was mainly white folk. Um, it was a it was small city, probably of about maybe 20,000 people. Yeah. Um, but so I so we kind of lived, my family lived there for a while. So I kind of grew up with that uh, white folk uh, background. Mm-hmm. So I never had questions about my immigration status. No, when I came to back to Oklahoma City, and right. I went to Jackson Middle School, the Brown School, the Brown School. Yeah. I swear, people were getting mugged at that school in middle school. People yeah. were like dying up in there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I did love that school, though. It was a fun school. It was a good I, school. I will not lie. Yeah. Um, that's when I first started ditching in, in, in middle school at Jackson. I, I, uh, that's another story, but that's for another podcast. I want to write that down so I can think about it, but no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, when I first arrived there, it was, and here's the thing. I don't even know how. So those of you that live in Oklahoma city, Jackson middle school is on the East side. On, I'm sorry. On the West side, west side of the city. Yeah. We lived, we were neighbors and we lived on the, on the East side, side of the yeah. city. So completely opposite. We literally had to drive the entire city, but that's where we had to, to go school. to though, right? Well, yeah, but we had what, um, the one that was closest to us was, uh, Webster middle school. 
it's on Santa Fe. Right. And they still huh. made us go all the way across yeah. town, across the entire city. Just did your mom take you or, or did you yeah, take the bus? Yeah, she, she would always drive us. I had to walk one time. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. That's another story. That sucks. <laughs> that Hot sucks. summer day, too. Bad. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we got there. Uh, they, we got enrolled. And, and so the very first thing I remember when I walked through the door was all these Mexicans there. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. Um, we had heard stories prior to because we had cousins who had been going there before, and they, they went with me, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Los, well, should I name them? No, it's no, not. Let's not we name just them. don't know. But they were my cousins, and and so they had this like, uh, what's the word? This they they had this reputation. Oh um, yeah, yeah, From from going there, yeah. And so they they would just say, just <laughs> say your last name, and you'll be fine. <laughs> and so I'm glad they saw it that but, way, right? But um, the middle school. So I get to the middle school, and and so uh, the very first question, one of the very first questions, is one of these Mexican kids come up to me and they ask me, um, "Tienes papeles?" And I'm like, "Tengo papeles." So I, you know, me being an innocent person at the time, you know, I said, "Yeah, tengo papel." You know, papel para escribir. How many, how many sheets do you want? Aww. No, no, tienes papeles. Papel is they are you legal yeah. or illegal? And I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm legal. You know, at the time I thought I was ill. I would I thought I was legal. Yeah. But as the year went on, you know, it kind of I went to my parents and I asked them, hey, you know, they're asking us if we have papers or if we don't have papers. And so they kind of came out to us and said, no, you don't have papers. Um, basically this is, they kind of told us the story of how we were brought over. Um, so we were, they came over before we did. And then, um, my dad came first and my mom came, um, after she had me, basically she came over and then they, they built up enough money, um, to, um, to ask, a coyote to bring us over. Coyote is somebody who smuggles yeah. immigrants, for those of that don't know. Um, so we got smuggled into the country um, okay. with using somebody else's papers. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that's how we were smuggled into the country. So when you found out you weren't, well, what well, went through your mind? Uh, at first, you know, I wasn't sure exactly what to think of. Um, being the fact that I was at Jackson Middle School, it was kind of more of a, oh, Come hang out with us because you're illegal. Yeah, you're you gonna know? blend in. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. blend in. So it wasn't really anything abnormal. The, you know, the culture there is very Hispanic, very Latino, Latin X uh, oriented. So you really had that. Uh, you really, I really blended in, and there was no uncomfortableness. It did feel at home. Yeah, yeah you felt did. comfortable. It, you did, yeah. and they made you feel comfortable. Although people were getting like shanked down the hallway and fights happening yeah. all the time, yeah. you still felt comfortable. Yeah. Um, like, oh, look, a guy got stabbed. Eh, he'll be fine. He can go uh, to the infirmary. Uh, the, the bell is ringing. You're going to be late for class. <laughs> she'll be okay with it. I'll tell her there's a fight. Uh, and then she'll probably want the news. Right. So then uh, it was really more <clears throat> towards like uh, middle sc- uh, high school. Mm-hmm. When we went to high school. My parents didn't want us to go to Capitol Hill High School. That was the high school that was going to um, be assigned. Our, assigned. Yeah. Um, so at that time, that was when... Um, uh, charter schools were coming out mm-hmm. uh, and they were very heavily uh, being influenced around the community. So my parents uh, sent us to a high school, um, Harding Charter, um, Harding 
Fine Arts Academy. Or at mm-hmm. that time, it was called something else. It was called Harding Fine Arts Center. You had a small um, graduation. I remember. I did. Yeah. Yes, we had like which I thought that was the best. It was a class of like thirty people. Yeah, yeah, it's super tiny, but it was fun. We graduated, so we ended up going there. But that's kind of when when we got me and my sister. Me and my sister, we we went to school. We were on the same grade since we were in the first grade, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so we went to the same high school. And <laughs> that's when we really got exposed to this white folk more of this white suburban um environment uh and yeah there it was sort of diverse but i mean i was the only fernando in that school for four years for three years so it that says a lot that says a lot yeah right so um we the school started doing these events where they started taking people outside of the state for competitions. We were in band. Uh, and so we would go to other competitions, but then some of these competitions kind of asked were, were further out where they would require us to have some kind of form of a state ID. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't even get a state ID if you don't have a, if you're not documented. Yeah. Um, or at least my belief is that I don't know. Somebody may correct me. If no, I'm I wrong. think that's true. But, but, so we couldn't even get that. So it would limit us to what we could do and what we couldn't do. There was also a trip where they flew out outside the country. So during this period, you know, um, not only that, but I'm growing. Uh, uh, I'm an adolescent at that time, uh, 15, 14, 15 years old, 16. And through these years, you know, I'm talking to my parents about being illegal and what it means to be illegal. And so, you know, I wanted to get a driver license, couldn't get a driver license. My friends were getting driver license. Um, so some people may hate me for this, uh, but, but I did end up hating my parents at one point because I was undocumented. Mm-hmm. I would blame them for exactly who I was. I mean, did you ever tell them that? I did. You did? I, I would always tell them that. I would okay. always confront them about it because they would always say something, you know, like I wanted to get a job or I wanted to get a phone. At that time, that's when smartphones kind of started coming out. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get a phone. All my siblings had phones except for me. So I wanted to get a phone. My parents went, well, you get a job. Well, how the fuck am I going to get a job? Right. I don't have papers. Yeah. So, yeah, you no, know, I would come out to my parents and like blatantly yell at them and and scream at them because of because i was undocumented what would they say to you they would just you know say oh you're just a kid you don't know what you're talking about i would get the shit beat out of me sometimes but it it is you know it's part of that culture uh but in the end you know after a while um i kind of cold down a little bit and that's kind of i that's when i really really reserved myself and i i don't think many people know this but uh at that time during that time age between like maybe 16 and 18 i literally would not go out Uh, i would just sit in my room or in the living room and just kind of draw uh my parents would always say to go out and play i never would go out play i mean during that time frame i really just Uh, kept to myself they called me incognito is what they called me um i guess what what incognito incognito Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of what the way i acted when i during that time frame but a lot of it stemmed because i 
was afraid. At that time, I started knowing and understanding what it meant to be undocumented. And so I just kind of went into the shell of, well, I can't do anything anyway, so why do anything? Well, I mean, it's kind of like a divorce from from reality yeah. because you have all these plans. And we talked about this earlier. Uh, you had plans to go to the university and do this and do that. Mm-hmm. And then all of, all of a sudden you realize you're limited. You have to break up with your reality right. and marry a new one. And you're like, what the hell? And that's just not how you pictured it. And right. and that's, that is upsetting. That it, is. it was. Um, but then, so... Eventually, I graduated high school, right? Um, During that time frame, you know, we did get the opportunity to apply for what is known now as OLAP, I believe. Mm -hmm. At that time, it was called Oklahoma Promise. Promise, yeah. Um, So we were, at that time also, they weren't asking for Social Security for you to apply. Um, So we were able to, to get Oklahoma Promise, but... Me and my sister, we I will say this, we were very smart in high school. Um, you were. And I ended up graduating third out of my class. My sister ended up graduating, I think, fourth or fifth. I can't remember exactly. But in the end, you know, with being academically, academically um, good and stuff like that with in high school, we were able to... Um, I was able to go to OU and apply, and so I was able to get a full-ride scholarship. However, when I went to, I went through all the process, the application process, everything. When I finally got on campus, you know, one of the very first things that they asked was, uh, on the document, do you have a social mm-hmm. security number? And obviously, yeah. And, and the recruiter said the same thing. She said, do you have a social security number? And well, I obviously said, no, I don't have one. And I told her, however, at that time, you know, by that age, I had already looked into the possibilities of going to university, actually going to a four-year university straight out of high school. And so you can go to a four-year university if you have an ITN number. Um, However, you still are put on a wait list. um, And that wait list was where I had gotten put on. Um, And so they basically said, you can't have this scholarship before we give all scholarships away to everybody. so at the end, basically what so they, if there's any left over. So if there's any money left over, then we would give you that money. Oh. And so they said you can take the risk, go to classes, start classes, and take the risk, or and 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 wait to see if there is any money left over. If there isn't, then you have to pay. If there is, then we give you the money. Uh, so I didn't really see it as a win-win situation, especially right. at a four-year university, especially at OU. Yeah, it's not um, like your chances were limited. Yeah, like, a lot. So I, so I definitely walked away from there. Um, and so I went to OCCC. I, I had my obviously I had Oklahoma Promise, um, so they were paying for the tuition. However, I had to pay for books and fees and everything like that. But I was working enough that I could pay that off. Well, I didn't want to graduate from OCCC, so I ended up moving. I don't know why. <laughs> I just didn't want to. No, yeah. I, so I, I transferred over to OSU OKC, and I ended up graduating there with my associate's degree. Basically, at that time is kind of when DACA came out. Mm-hmm. And so at first, I was hesitant to apply because I was like, oh, no, this is a hoax. That's what I thought, it's too. The government. Yeah. They're just trying to find out where the trying illegal to get my people information. are. Yeah. yeah. The, I'm going to get deported. And so people were also, also kind of, you know, 
putting that in people's minds. Oh, yeah. Oh no, this isn't true. They just want um, to find out where your parents live, where your family members live. Uh, but eventually, what well, we find out, it's not right. So I ended up applying, um, and I okay. filled it out myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually ended up helping other people at preliminary when they first applied. Uh, during the first couple years to apply to DACA, oh, okay, so that cool. was a, I did that yeah, too for a while. It was really cool, and I was glad to help. Um, yeah. and to this day, some of them still call me and ask me for questions. But I think because we were, I was able to show them how to do it. Because not only was I doing it for them, but I was showing them how to do it. Mm. I think they now feel comfortable enough that they can do it themselves. Right. Yeah. And it is. It's an easy process. You, if you do need legal, you know. Um, help Assistance, you should get yeah. it mm-hmm. uh, but it is a pretty simple process to to do however or at least the renewing is um but at the end you know i got daca and so i graduated with my associate's degree and at that point i was like you know what i had a fucking associate's degree i can get a better job than working at mcdonald's so i did I, and, and there's nothing wrong with working at mcdonald's i actually loved it and i would go back anytime mm-hmm. um but more as like a upper management type yeah <laughs> not working at the restaurant now level. you're gonna be the one fighting exactly yeah so um so uh i ended up getting working at buy for less that was my first job with really uh, yeah with daca and so i loved it it was fun um uh but that's kind of where i did daca and so at that same time I wanted to go back to school because I said, well, now that I have DACA, it's easier for me to try to go to, mm. to go to university, get my yeah. bachelor's. So I ended up going getting my bachelor's degree. Um, but I did go. I, I wanted to say, fuck you. You know, my middle finger out. I, I wanted to say, fuck you, OU, right? So I wanted to go to OU and graduate from OU or get a degree from OU because of what they had said. Yeah. Well, so in the end I was like, okay, no, nah, this isn't it. I was telling Tony, um, you know, one class there, it was a science class. I, earlier we were talking about this and that one class cost me $5,000. Right. Yeah. You were saying so that's ridiculous. So ridiculous. So Keep in mind, at this point, I don't have Oklahoma Promise anymore. I don't have any scholarships. Um, once you've already, once you've already graduated from college or you're in college, it's harder for you to try to get scholarships. So it was really mm-hmm. difficult for me. So I basically started paying for everything, tuition plus also books, fees, everything. So then my sister at that point, because we graduated together from high school. She actually went off to um, the University of Central Oklahoma and she graduated from there Mm -hmm. uh, before I did, two years before I did. And so I was like, let me see. So I started looking into it. Let me see how cheap UCO is. And so it is very, 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 fairly well too. For those that want to have a good college education Mm -hmm. for your university, but also live on a budget, that is the best place for you to go. I definitely okay. recommend it. I ended up going there, graduated from there, and uh, graduated with the. I honestly, I graduated. I was because I was paying myself through college. Um, like I said earlier, you know, I was running out of money, so it got to the point where I was like, okay, I need to, I need to get a fucking degree. Yeah. So I ended up having to graduate, um, and I graduated with just a general degree, um, uh, with a bachelor's. But in the end, you know, it really has paid off. Um, you know, I right now currently, um, 
after I graduated, I started working for the hotel industry um, and I worked as a general manager. Uh, I worked for a company. One one company I worked for um, moved me to the state of Kansas. I worked there for a year. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was able to do there was actually travel the country um, with that company. So, I mean, I was getting everything paid for, which was amazing. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So what I would do for them was uh, I would travel to these other places, um, other accounts within the portfolio, and I would train new managers to take over the property. Uh, there was also a project where I was able to um, help them build or help them complete the building of the new uh, property and we were able to i was able to help them start the property off so that was really fun yeah yeah it was really fun um and so i ended up going to houston for a conference and that's when i was like you know what i want to live in texas Uh, or i want to live in houston but i've always had it in my mindset that i've always wanted to live in texas yeah, uh, and so, shout out to Texas. Yeah, by the shout way. out to Texas. Because I was telling you earlier, I have most of my listeners are from Texas. So shout awesome. out to Texas. That's awesome. There, you guys are full of brown in Texas. That's for sure. <laughs> um, oh, you can see, but I'm doing the. Then, uh-huh. So now, so with that company, you know, I moved to Houston, uh, and so right now, currently, I actually work at. Well, I can't really say where I work at. Yeah, publicly. Not, yeah, um, but it's a. I work for a football team okay um down in the houston area and it's fun it's a lot of fun working there for them but then i also work at a gel facility a correctional facility so right now yeah so i'm taking care of two different accounts there for the company and it's really interesting so the sports and entertainment is really interesting but so is the correctional because i mean i work behind bars with inmates and Mm -hmm. it's really interesting the things that you see um you know two months ago i saw somebody get shagged right in front of me no way yeah that was it was scary i'm not gonna lie it was really scary and actually at that time i was training someone which was the fucked up part about it and i did they come back no (laughs) they immediately like after that immediately after we got off that floor out in the secured area he was like, oh, man, no, no, I can't do this. This isn't for me. And I was like, oh, well, I understand. <laughs> but I still, yeah, but I still try to persuade him. I was like, it's not normal. It doesn't happen every day. You know it damn lucky. well that it does happen all the time. Oh, it does? It does. Trust me. Um, but growing up, I feel like having that experience as an incognito person and, and being... Um, putting myself in a position where you have to put a specific face and you have to create this persona for yourself, I think has been very beneficial in my aspect when it comes to managing because I learned and I know how to separate myself from uh, the employees having a friendship relationship compared to my other colleague managers who they have a friendship relationship with some of the employees. And it's like, in the end, it comes back to back to bite them. So, so I feel like that definitely was able a great mm-hmm. thing for my parents to instrument in me to teach me on how to do that. Aww. Yeah, but I love it. So it, it, you had a great outcome then. Yeah, no, honestly. Despite everything yes, that you've been through. In, in the end, you know, with DACA and everything, although 
I will say this. I think I haven't said this. I'm actually the only undocumented person in my family. My parents, everybody, they all have their permanent residency. Um, and I am the only, or they're U.S. citizens. Yeah. And I'm actually the only one in my family, immediate family, that is undocumented. Sorry, you're still upset. So I was actually, and I'll tell this story. I was telling you, Tony, earlier, you know, when, when I found out my parents got their papers, uh-huh. God, I was so pissed off. I was pissed off. I was upset. I was angry. I was sad. But at the same time, I knew that I should be happy. I should be happy for them because they've worked so hard for this. This is what their livelihood has yeah. been about. So I shouldn't, you know, express that to them. But yes, deep down, there was an anger. There was a, a sadness. And I wanted to cry when, cause, because I was literally there when they were opening up. The, the mail had actually just oh. arrived and I, I was living in Houston and I actually came to visit them that day. Okay. And surprisingly, the immigration paper showed up that day. Um, their, their permanent residency yeah, cards yeah. and, or their workers permit, something showed up. And that's when I found out because I didn't even know my parents were applying yeah. for the permanent residency. How was that moment? Uh, it was, like I said, it was just... So bittersweet for you. It was bittersweet for me, yeah. but for them, they were, you know, they were excited. They were happy again. Um, it was something that they've looked for for 20, 20 what, 24 mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. I think, that they've been waiting for. So for them, it was an excitement to, to definitely be grateful for. Um, but obviously me, who was brought by them right who you know i can't get my papers through my parents anymore because you can apply through your parents if you're younger but once you turn like 21 it's Mm -hmm. basically you you, yeah you gotta look buddy yeah yeah so you gotta look for your own way so so yeah um it was it was nice to see that but i think deep down there was obviously that anger but i've been able to shift it away or kind of put it away Mm. um, and show them the gratefulness that that they've installed in me because my parents and I have a great relationship now. Um, I'm free with them and I'm free to talk to them uh, with whatever I need. Yeah. Um, They are very welcoming, very understanding. Uh, But, but definitely uh, I think uh, I do thank them for everything that they've done. Um, I think the way I was raised because I was raised completely different than my than my brothers and sisters. Um, you know, I'll tell the story, okay. really, really quick story. Um, the the, and this will kind of paint a picture of how I was raised. Okay. Uh, one time when we were younger, when we were kids, my dad and this memory will never leave my mind. Um, my dad actually sat us down. Um, my siblings at that time was my brother, me, uh, my sister, my younger sister. And so my dad sat us all down in the couch, said, I'm going to give you money so y'all can go shopping for school. Well, my dad gave $100 to my sis- younger sister. He gave $100 to my um, older sister, gave $100 to my older brother, but he never gave me any money. And that right there had has always stuck with me my entire life because it really speaks volume as to how my childhood was compared to my brothers and sisters. Yeah. Uh, but me and my, and yes, you know, at the time it hurt. And to this day, you know, it still hurts and, and yours, I could cry about it. Um, but 
at that time I didn't do that because I knew and I always knew in the eyes of my dad crying is weakness. Mm -hmm. And so I never did it. Yeah. I never did it, but later on during when he left, I cried. I did you cried. ever bring it up to him? I have. Yeah, I have. Everything they've always done to me, you know, um, that's how I've been very open with them because I've been able to talk to them mm -hmm. and say, this is what I felt when you did this. And this is why I felt this way. Um, you know, but in the end, I think they've been able to, I think that's been able to kind of create a, a well lit relationship between my parents and I. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're in it's a better hard. place now. It is hard. Mm -hmm. Cause I was telling you earlier before we hit record, my childhood was very different. And the thing is, you know, again, we go back to, <laughs> Nobody outside the house knows stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Because we put on this persona mm -hmm. of... Somebody said action and... Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. my parents in the in the church were looked at as... They were highly respected. They were highly yeah. respected. Let's say yeah. that. They were yeah. very highly respected. Because my parents and your parents were at like neck and neck. Yeah. They were always... For some reason, they were always together. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were neighbors. So I mean... Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. And, and stuff that. like that you don't see outside. No, the, no or or we don't share that anymore. Um, that's why I think it was great. It's great to come on here and mm -hmm. and share stories like that because we are full of brown. We are um, this community that should be sharing. You know, we are all different. However, we may be part of a specific community, but yeah, yet we are all completely different, and we are all our own identity um, in respects to that. But still, no, I'm so happy you reached out, yeah. and I'm happy that more than anything that we're still friends and, and you know that you're listening and that you're supporting i was just i was so surprised that you reached out and i was like oh my god yeah 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 let's talk about it and then i'm I'm just overwhelmed with you i'm happy i thank you for coming on and please yeah we want to come again you gotta bring me back we got more stories that we, we got about. more <laughs> than i think and honestly there's endless subjects to talk about but but i think definitely this is the lgbt community mm -hmm. plus the 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 hispanic <clears throat> community is some it's it's definitely a, a place i think that has struggled deeply yeah um to combine each other together but uh i think slowly as more people share their stories in regards to the community and who you are heritage wise. Um, we'll, we'll definitely, I mean, well, that's what, what Fuller Brown is about. They're sharing all shades of stories, all shades of past experiences that we can all learn from. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm glad that it's, it's doing that. And I hope with this story, cause I told you it was going to be a two parter right. that it helps somebody. And yes. if, if they feel alone, you know, reach out to us and, and we'll be family to you. I will needed. say this. You are not alone. Mm -hmm. You are not alone. There is always someone there to listen. Yeah. Please believe me. We'll listen. Before you go, don't leave yet. Oh, yes. I got <laughs> the famous lightning round there go. that we have to do. Okay. What is your most commonly used emoji? Um, Let's see. Probably just a happy face. That's simple. Okay. Yeah. Banda music or country? Banda music. I love to dance. Now, I love country music too, but I don't really know how to dance it's to country your, music. Uh, can you dance to country music? Yeah. Oh, I guess some can. can. Yeah, yeah. I square dance. But I, but I love dancing to banda music. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Yes. So actually, this comes from Drew Barrymore, but actually, I don't think she quoted it or she quoted it from somebody, from somebody else. else. What did you um, say? And I saw it. I can't remember where I saw it, but it's 
um, you, you life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And that is very true. <gasps> oh. Because, and I've always lived by that, by, by that motto, because if you don't push yourself outside, mm-hmm. you're never going to learn from your mistakes. You're never going to grow. I love that. So, yes. That's awesome. What is your favorite curse word? Um, what, what, that sounds like it's going to be hard for you. What have I said the most today? <laughs> bitch, you oh, said. Probably, fu- no, maybe bitch. There were bitch, I, I'm going to say bitch because at work. Especially now that you can wear a mask or you're forced to wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually, um, when somebody gets pissed off or they piss me off, I'll just say bitch. Mumble it. Yeah, I'll be like, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) What sound or noise do you hate? Mm, I don't know. I I thought that was going to be easier for you. I hate people farting. I will say this. (laughs) I hate, yes, I don't like. And it, I think it's one of the questions you have, but keep going. Farting, I will say farting. You don't like farting. I don't like farting. Okay, so what's the noise do you love? Um, uh, waves. waves. Oh, ocean? Ocean waves. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I could be a professional athlete. I wish I could do triathlons. It's actually, I've been training for them. Really? But yeah, it's so hard though. But I wish I was a professional. Do you drink soda? Soda, yeah. yeah. Coke or Pepsi? Um, so here's the thing with Houston. <laughs> um, Teach us about Houston. They, they have both, uh, but they mainly have Coke, but they mainly have bottled Coke from Mexico. Yeah. Oh, I can see that. So okay. I'm going to choose Mexican bottled Coke. Okay. What would you like your tombstone to read? I don't know. I, honestly, I wouldn't have a tombstone because I do want to be cremated. Okay. Um, where would I want my ashes to be thrown? There you go. Let's shift that if question. If they could go into space, space. That's cool. Yeah. I would like to become a tree. A tree? Yeah, I heard you th- can do Well, that that's now. another thing, too, that I think would be great, like, sprinkled into, yeah. like, a... Into, like, a plant or something <laughs> give them life <laughs> a sunflower if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates um what's your question because i have a question for him and my question is why do you make a shit i hate taking a shit <laughs> wait 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 wait, wait. you <laughs> your question to him as why did you split me? Uh, yes. Why did you make us take a shit? <laughs> well, so the food had to go somewhere. I, know, I can answer you that now. I know biologically. I know that, okay. but I just it stinks. It's nasty, <laughs> and in general, it just uh, like when you have chorro. <laughs> that, that thing is, Mexicans just comes have chorro out. every day. Or yeah. when you eat something spicy, your <laughs> some people don't know it, but your anus actually burns too. If yeah. you eat something really, if spicy. you're not Mexican, you don't know this. Exactly, we're Mexicans. It burns everything. It burns everything. <laughs> it burns coming out. It burns coming in. It burns coming out. Oh, that's the truth. So that honestly, that's a question I would have. Like, why would you make a shit? Why? Yeah. Well, hopefully by then it's a long time from now. I don't want mm. you to go from this earth yet. But. No, but. When my time comes, comes. So, Corona. <laughs> <laughs> no, hashtag Corona, no. Oh, my God. Corona's been terrible. She needs to leave. She does. I'm ready for Quickly, it Quickly, because it's going to ruin my Christmas. Mm, it's going to ruin everybody's. But it's been fun, Tony. It has been so much fun. Been fun. 
We spent a whole afternoon. No, but the the whole afternoon has been great. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a a a good friend and supporter. And hopefully, this helps somebody. I know it will. I know it will. will. So. Uh, you can write to us at fullerbrownpodcast at yahoo.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think that's it. Yeah. You have Instagram? Mm-hmm. No, I don't have Instagram. <laughs> I only got it. Actually, I don't know why I have it. But I'm kind of glad I do because a lot of the followers follow us there. Oh, good. Well, not a lot, good. but a good chunk. Good. So, yeah. So, um, but anyway, thank you for coming. Yes. Uh, have a safe trip home because... I you live to, in Houston, yeah, so people yeah. don't know you drove down here. I did so now drive, you're driving back. Yeah, I'll have to drive back to. I'll drive. I'm driving back tomorrow night. Oh, okay, okay. I'll I like f- traveling on the night. And if you are traveling everywhere, listen to our podcast. Yes. We have so far ten episodes live. So, oh, today we have ten episodes live. By this point, I think there'll be like fifteen. But Cause tomorrow, uh, comes tomorrow, a new episode yeah. drops out. Yeah. So that's anyway. Thank you for coming, man. I heart you. Yes, for sure. And your story, your experience. Be heard. There you go. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Full of brown. Hey, this is Tony with Full of Brown. And if you're listening to this segment of the podcast, that means that you've listened through the whole episode. Congratulations. Go buy yourself a concha or something. I just wanted to take this moment to remind you to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, Fuller Brown Podcast. That's it. And don't forget to write to us at fullerbrownpodcast at yahoo.com. And I'm just here to remind you, this is your story. This is your experience. Be heard. Bye. Bye.